What's up, weirdos? A couple a uh, couple things before we um before we get started this week. Uh, one, my album is out. This uh, my stand up comedy album, Impregnated with Wonder. You can get it on iTunes and Amazon. Uh, also, this Thursday, if you're listening to this on the release day, I will be on Conan, the Conan O'Brien television show. Or if you're listening to this after Thursday, you can probably see it online, maybe at PeteHolmes.com. And as always, all this stuff is available on my Twitter, Pete Holmes with a Z, P-E-T-E-H-O-L-M-E-Z. That's it. Let's get into it. Weird. Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. Welcome to uh, You Made It Weird. I'm Pete Holmes, and I'm very happy to have uh, Moshe Kasher, the very funny and talented Moshe Kasher, here in the studio at Nerd Melt Theater. Hi, everybody. Moshe Kasher. Hi, guys. You're a delight. You're great. Do you know that? I was thinking on my way over here, it's something I was going to tell you, I was, so that all the podcast listeners, I'm sure they already know because your likability rating is absolutely unchartable I, I checked the rating today it was up it was what's up, your it was uh, up imdc <laughs> the, <laughs> movie data charm charm like i see imdl likability likability it was rating. up 32 percent. but i had a lot of generals about likability this week so do you guys know what generals are those are general they know meetings. generals do they are your people this audience knows hollywood generals. savvy yeah. Oh, that's funny because today I was thinking about doing a tweet. It's such a bad tweet. I didn't do it because it was too no, stupid. Nothing better than, on this. than a tweet, except a tweet that wasn't good enough to make the cut. <laughs> <laughs> because it was too inside and too dumb. Oh, hit which it. was, I think my nutsack is about to have to join SAG. That's good. But dumb. All that's right. Good. No, but what that's I was good. thinking on my way over but you here. Thought, you thought better of it after? Okay. <laughs> All yes. Right. All right. Yes. Yes. Those are We're high five. Those are Hollywood. <laughs> that wasn't Moshe clapping for himself. That was us high fiving. And it started as a joke, but it ended very sincere and genuine. Uh, Moshe, you're the greatest. Well, what I was thinking on my way over here was I thought this would be a good opportunity for me to tell the public and you just what a great stand up guy I think you are. Not a stand up guy, but a, just a good dude. You're a good dude. You're, I like you, Pete. We're friends, and we are I like friends. that. I, I like like that a lot too we actually we're different folk that's why we're very different i'm very excited to have you on the show uh because we are so different but that's that's what makes it so fun to hang out with you where did we meet um was it in i think it was at the old improvisation on uh on the upper over there on the upper east side um you were just getting your you were just cutting your teeth and i was doing i was doing nightclubs with people like sammy davis uh (laughs) dean martin yeah and i took you under my wing if you'll recall this isn't true no did we meet at the improv i don't know where we met to be honest maybe i don't remember either wasn't it no i don't know south by southwest i don't know this is not that's not cut this out of the yeah we're gonna cut this out do you edit stuff out nope okay cool this is in the podcast keep this in (laughs) this is live uh, I don't remember where we, where we met, but since I've moved to Los Angeles, California, where I currently live and you currently live, we've become quite good friends. And you're a vegan, right. and we eat at a vegan restaurant. We, I am a vegan-ish. I mean, I, I eat pussy. Uh, am I not allowed to say that? No, of course I you always are. get you dirty on these bit. fucking podcasts. You are so filthy. I am dirty. I'm a dirty guy. Let's just get into that right off top. No, I would love to, because here's the thing. I Sometimes I go on to, well, whatever. I'm not going to be, de- I don't want to be defensive, but people are, sometimes people are like, oh, he, that guy's dirty. Or, and it's like, uh, all right, but you know, I mean, just f- f- 
suck my dick. You know? Yeah, because you're dirty. I don't think of you as a dirty person. You're a dirty person. Now, sometimes on these podcasts, though, sometimes I'm, I'm a little rough for people, and I'm sure. just, I just think like, all right, I get that that's not your flavor. Right. But you have to recognize that it's not um, subjectively true that it's that it's bad to be dirty or or you know, like one time I said I would I. I would. I fantasized about murdering Dick Cheney. Yeah. No, I don't fantasize about that. It was just right. a stupid joke. Who would think that was serious? People who mad? You know, podcast people. I, if, if, I don't find physical violence to be particularly funny. That's, actually, the, that's what I got back. I actually think that's a federal offense. To think about... To admit that you fantasize, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm not even going to say it. I used to have a bit about that. Where you can like, say that it's illegal to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's actually what the bit was. Is oh, really? like you can't say you're going to kill the president unless you're like, I would never say I'm going to p- kill the president. But at that point, it's a federal offense to wink. <laughs> it's, it's one of my old, it's one of my oldest jokes. There go. Uh, I love a joke about assassinating the president that ends with like an old vaudeville, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the uh, very, very heinous crime. So, sex is a big thing that you and I talk about all the time because uh, we were talking about this a little bit off air. Just, just that uh, we have very different approaches to sexuality. You are a fuck guy. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know how to put it any other way. Me and me and Melania are always talking about how neither of us are fuck guys, and I'm not a fuck guy. And I look at the fuck guys, you, and your type, and uh, I have I have so many emotions. I have I'm uh, afraid of you. I'm, what I'm, if you were saying you know, black guy instead of fuck guy? You're a black. I look guy. at you and the other black guys, you and your type. <laughs> I'm not a black guy. Personally, I'm not a black guy. Me and John Mulaney, neither of us are black guys. But when we look at black guys, we think, I don't understand. Do you, you have to bring racial tension into this already sexually loaded uh, topic. I made it weird. You did. Oh, you did. Well yeah. done. That's yes. amazing. I love that so much. What I mean by that is, like, there are people that, uh, and this this is actually true. I tend to have a certain amount of envy for people like yourself. And correct me if I'm wrong. Who seem to just be like, yeah, whatever. I enjoy sex and I'm going to have some. I, Whereas I and Mulaney grew up kind of repressed. I'm not going to speak for Mulaney. I grew up repressed, New England, right. uh, just kind of like uh, religious and was like, sex is bad and you should only do it with your wife. Well, I uh, the thing is, I feel I feel envy as a, as a, as a, a fuck guy. <laughs> As yes. a self-identified fuck guy, I feel envy for people like you and John Mulaney as well because um, you guys are both staffing on shows, and I've always wanted to do that. <laughs> 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 no. Keep it to sex, no, Keep it to se- No, no. I, I'm in a sincere way. I will. I will often look at the uh, extreme naivete that you and John will employ in your dating life. I'm just kidding about that too. No, um, no. I, I kind of know what you mean. But I, I didn't I, even flinch at that. I, but no, it's not extreme naivete. I, I, I find it a kind of. I feel that while I like sex and I like to fuck and I've done, and I'm sex positive, I've, and I'm pretty open in that way. <laughs> is that a term? That is definitely a term. Sex positive? Yeah. Like down to fuck, like they say on Jersey Shore. No, that, yeah, DTF or sex positive. If you look up sex positive in the dictionary, it will say this isn't a word. That's three words. Uh. If you look it up in the encyclopedia, it'll say DTF. Um, that's no, but, sex positive. I kind of like that. No, it just means you're like open sexually. It means that you don't have you have a view of sex that is like that there isn't that there aren't necessarily. I mean, I, I wonder if I'm wrong about the exact definition of it, but it just means that you are you, you have a, an attitude about sex that is open and that sex itself is a positive thing. It doesn't have the sort of uh, mo- a lot of moral hanging the to puritanical it. sort of stuff. That being said, I don't. Fu- it's not fully true. I think it's really fascinating that sex is a thing that even if you're a person like me, who I'm pretty open sexually and and you know and DTF or sex positive, <laughs> I've 
like anybody else, I've had nights where I will wake up or wake up. I will, you know, have a moment of thinking, "Ugh, this isn't. This, something's not right here." You know, like yes. I mean, well, you tell stories like that on stage. Those are actually some of my most favorite moments. If you, I've been on storytelling shows where you'll tell a story that is so sexually adventurous and weird about, like, do you mind if I say like the the Craigslist thing? <laughs> I suppose you, you, you could do that. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't say the whole thing, but I guess you wanted to have sex with a, a larger woman. Sure. And you did. On Craigslist, and you fucked her, and all I remember... She was larger than a larger woman. Yeah, she was real big. She was the largest She woman. was a thick, thick milkshake. She was beyond thick. She, <laughs> was, she was girth. They, they brought you the, uh, the fribble, and the extra <laughs> cup, the, the metal cup, was filled to the brim. <laughs> the extra was another fribble. I mean, she was... Ve- I don't know what a fribble is. A fribble is a frap. I don't know what a frap is. A frap is. is a milkshake. I don't know what a milkshake a is. A milkshake is what we call a girl that's good at head. I know what that is. Ooh, I'm a fuck guy. I know you are. <laughs> and by the way, sex positive, I'm kind of having second thoughts about it because if someone was like, I'm sorry, Pete, you're sex positive, I'd be like, how long do I have? That <laughs> sounds sex, bad. Sex IV positive? You should, yes, <laughs> sex IV positive. You should just be like, I'm, I'm uh, happy sex. Well, okay, so there's this new movement or what? It's not that new actually at this point, but there's this idea of sex. Like, how do we discuss sex without get and and uh, without uh, attaching it to biblical notions of morality and yeah. and positive negative and i sort of feel like that comes back to me talking about things that are dirty too it's like while i understand that people have um uh they have standards that make them comfortable or uncomfortable uh, they can't imagine that those are uh, that it that it's sensible to automatically apply those standards to everybody else's yeah. sen- sensi- sensibilities. Yeah, I think that's similar in sex. That these people looked at, at themselves and said, "Why would we have a relationship with sex that it, that is connected to some other system of morality's idea of what sex is?" Right. So it started this new movement. And there's a book called The Ethical Slut. Have you ever heard about that or read no. that? No. So it's like this, you know, feminist sex positive book about women that now you know women owning their sexuality and saying you know i'm an ethical slut you know that's what i am i i I fuck who i want when i want and i think that's kind of cool you know i mean there's something to that at the same time i obviously know how it sounds like kind of like like do you want to meet that girl do you want to go on a date with her right do i or him it's like do you do I want to go out with an ethical slut? Well, that's this is what's really... No, not with an ethical slut, but with someone that self-identifies as an ethical slut. Well, that's actually interesting because the thing about people in general, and I'll, maybe I'll just speak for myself, is we have simultaneous conflicting uh, core ethics. Right. Conflicting. Yeah. Conflicting. Yeah. At odds with each other, and we believe both of them at the same time. Absolutely. So I am here to tell you that I would like to meet a girl that I am completely uh, you know, pleased with, would like to introduce to my family, have a, have a family with and all that sort of stuff, and have it be clean and decent. Right. And then, as you know, there's just that horrible... Uh, I, see, I even just said horrible, because I'm ashamed of it. But you, it's, it's, like, it's in me, just like it's in you, it's but in me I too. can't the say moment it to you're my born. fucking therapist. I can't be like, right. and I wanted to fuck this girl. I couldn't say that right. to him without being like... I'm not that kind of guy. Well, the, it's like the moment you're born, there's a little string of morality that's laid over your dick. And then there's another one that's laid over your dick. It's yeah. like this invisible strings that yeah. are laid over. So by the time you become a, a mine looks a, like a spool of thread. There's yeah. so many strings <laughs> Yours on it. Looks like the guy who, yeah. who um, uh, is asking for Rumpelstiltskin. Weaving and you could weave quite a bit of gold out the, of mine. Yours is the thing that told Morgan Freeman and Angelina Jolie uh, who to kill. Uh, <laughs> Anyone? That is great. Yeah, it's a wanted Nerdist. reference. You'll get it. Wanted. 
Um, good, good job. But anyway, so you so, have all this morale, and and you understand that though. I and I'm a victim of it because just as I must must have some of you, you have some of me. Absolutely. I mean, it's like it, and even phys- sex in its own physicality. Is this show supposed to be super funny, super nerdy, or both? I don't know. No, no, no. There's no because I can do whatever you want. There's no. I <laughs> just turn it on whichever you want. Um, no. So there's also an innate, an innate, an innate. There's an innate physicality in sex that is both positive and negative yeah i like to fuck it makes me come i love the way that feels i don't like aids or hpv or gonorrhea and That's built so into funny. the sex act yeah. is a is a kind of weird moral moral code and i had more of that than the average person i remember being a kid we grew up in a time uh, a good old-fashioned orgy actually referenced this which is a funny movie with my good friend nick kroll who's, who's going to be on the show this a reference that our generation grew up with aids we were the first people that were like <laughs> When we were learning about Nah, sex. dog, that ain't our generation, bro. What? That might be your generation, dog. I ain't got no AIDS. Ah, <laughs> I'm talking about information about I get it. Sex positive. I'm, so we learned, while my brain was still unformed, I was like 16 years old, they told me about 15, 13, whatever. They told me about sex, and then in the same breath, they were like, there's also AIDS, you can die. Right. So like, I learned, totally. me- and I actually thought I could give myself AIDS. That's How did true. you think you would give it to yourself? Uh, from masturbating. Your a, it was in your hand. I thought that by releasing it, okay, <laughs> this the, is so the, gross. The releasing the cum, mm-hmm. that that would like act like air activate, like oxyclean, like it, once it like jo- the cum would grab the AIDS from the air and then suck. Like no, no, no. The AIDS is in it, and then it's only the AIDS activated is in your cum already. By, but there's like a dormant strand, and mm-hmm. then it's activated by the air, and then when it's on me, I get it. To be honest, I see why you would have thought that because it <laughs> seems intuitively true. Does it? No. You're dead forever. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you every day. You'll, you're dead forever when you die from I, self-inflicted that, ejaculate well, AIDS. See, no, what are we talking about right there? We're just talking about shame. I, I used to have shame about uh, masturbating. I used, to, I used to fear that the rapture was going to happen mm-hmm. when I was masturbating. In fact, most recently, when there was this most recent rapture scare, it's so deep in my subconscious, what if they're right? Right. Everybody's like, the world's going to end. I was going to masturbate. This is true. This is an overshare. I was going to masturbate, and then I looked at the clock. You didn't. I looked at the clock, and the world was supposed to end at <laughs> six o'clock, and it was five forty-five, and I was like, "Nice try, the devil. No way I'm going to have my ham and my sandwich when uh, Jesus comes on a on a flaming sheep, going like, you know, Pete, you were right on the line, but uh, seeing as you're taking yourself to dinner, enjoy hell on earth. It's funny when you masturbate at that time. When the time comes that the rapture might be tomorrow and it's 5.45 and you think I'm going to masturbate and then you do masturbate, yeah. you won't have to go to therapy anymore. That's hilarious. And true. It's probably true. <laughs> I wish I, I actually wish I could have been like, I'm being stupid. But what's funny is you and me could literally, if you know, I think uh, you, if you and I could uh, could take out our, our, our frozen, you know, ionic cores yep. of issues yep. and just un, you know, take it. I'm, t- I'm trying to think. Yeah. What am I thinking of? The thing that like, un, it's like a frozen. Like in the beginning of Alien. Yeah. What's the granny Weaver it, was you, sleeping in. Yeah. You take yours out. I'll take mine out. And we could literally just trade. And you would be okay, and I would be okay. If yeah. you had a little bit less worry about sex and morality, yeah. and I had a little bit more temperance about sex yeah. and morality, yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd probably both be in really fulfilling and happy relationships. I wonder if we could switch it like 50-50 or what the blend would be of Merlot to Shiraz. Your Shiraz, it sounds I would. Dirtier. I think I'm, ask, I'm actually probably more likely uh, Cisco or Boone's Farm. Interesting. Something real Something gross. Something real gross. Yeah. Uh, well, I think it's interesting to say that I've, I've slept with only a handful of people in my entire life. Well, I'm, Oh, can we ask how many? Yeah, five people. <laughs> yeah. Is, that's really low. 
to me, that's low. It's very low. I, on the show Arrested Development, they made a joke that Jason Bateman's character had only slept with four people. And I remember watching that. And at the time, I think I had only slept with uh, maybe one person. Right. And I was like, wow, imagine four people. That would be insane. Pete, how many have I slept with? Hundreds. <laughs> I know this because it's one of our first talks. Is we went out, and this is when I became. <laughs> listen to your fuck. You should be on a mountain of skulls and and fucking dick bones right now. I am hundreds. You are hundreds. I mean, I don't know if it's hundreds. And that well, let's. I I've never count. take that from me. Never take. I've hundreds. lost. I've lost count. Because I, I can't say. look at your face and not think hundreds. <laughs> So here's five and here's hundreds. We think about this all the time. We talk about this all the time. And I often sit down with I'm a you. Li- I'll be honest. I'm a little uncomfortable with... Buddy, I just it, admitted to it. however many people... No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying that for a, pa- a pathos moment. Yeah. I'm uncomfortable with your listenership knowing that. Especially because they're, they're nerdists. So they'll all be like, I did not know that that was possible. <laughs> I'm I kidding, everybody. I, I love I you know. all. I don't know about that. I love that. you guys so but then, much. Here's something that's interesting is you exude sexuality. We've talked about this. I'm not coming on to you, but I am... But you, there's something about you that you can go on stage and it doesn't matter what you talk about when you, you kind of just have, what is it, your pheromones, the way you dress, the way you look. There's something about you that when you get off stage, girls are into you. I, I don't know. I can't speak to that. that seemed, you I, don't uh, want to dissect the uh, goose and lose the song? No. It's, it's, <laughs> it would be, I mean, how, what kind of fucking jackass is like, well, yeah, you know, that's true. I mean, every time well, I come off stage, l- l- I, leave a, I leave a trail of sexuality uh, that leads to my genitals. Let me, let me phrase it in no, a way but, that's not horrible to answer. Okay. Did you have that your whole life? Have you always felt kind of like a Kavorka, a Seinfeldian term? Um, Kramer had the Kavorka. I don't know how to answer that question, but I will tell you that when I was very young, yep. um, I'm, well, I mean 16 years old, mm-hmm. and uh, I had just gotten out of rehab for the last time. Okay. I was 15 years old when I went to rehab for the last time, and I'd just gotten out. I was about 16 for, for teenage debauchery. Okay. And um, I, was so, I, I had become sober, so I'm a person of excess. I had become sober, and I, had, and I was looking for a thing to do. And I decided to go to a rave. I'm 16 years old, and I went to a rave for the first time. Not a joke. You went to a rave sober. That seems strange. I went to a rave sober. People don't really do that. Well, I became totally enamored of that scene. And I I spent my entire childhood, I mean, my entire teenage years in that scene. I mean, I was as big of a raver as anyone you could ever meet. I mean, Hmm. I just, that was my whole social world for a very long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And totally fell in love with it. And there's a lot of weird, interesting psychodynamics of what, what I think I got out of it at the time. Because, mm-hmm. But that's not what we're talking about. That's not, that doesn't have anything to do with sex or sexuality. It has to do with, uh, well, I guess I, could, I can apply it, which is that I, I grew up in Oakland in a, in a real kind of gangster rap world. Right. Not that I was a gangster, but I was like, oh, you know, I was Chelsea like sort of... I, Chelsea was on the show Chelsea. last week. We talked about that. Well, so I grew up in Oakland with Chelsea, yeah. actually. Mm-hmm. Chelsea and I were, went to junior high together. With a lot of, uh, you, you were very few white people. Very few white people and not only very few white people but very very little um social currency for white people so as a white person not only were you in a number minority you also wanted to be cool just like in your high school maybe cool was to be the letterman who was the the football quarterback right. in our school what was cool was to be like a crack dealing gangster that was right because that's what we looked at as the top of the class that's, that, that's the guy yeah so that's what i became not a crack dealing gangster but a guy that was that acted like i was i mean i'm we're sort of I and Chelsea and that group of people are the kind of original wiggers. Like we, we, we grow. 
Oh, I'm so sorry. Regrows. African American. African Americans. Um, we kind of started that, and then it it went from Oakland out into the suburbs, and then it, you know I'm not I'm sure it was in New York too. Sure, but it was the early. It was 90s. also where I was growing up in Lexington, Massachusetts. No, I'm saying it was the early 90s, and then that uh, uh, you were probably the epicenter. That's what, or and I'm sure New York was too. But it was the beginning of that movement. Yeah. Now it's such a common sort of trope. It's like the yeah. suburban white boy that thinks he's black. But back then we were more of an anomaly. Yeah, that's neither here nor there. But the point point of it is is that i was learning my lessons about sex and sexuality from gangst- salt and gangster rap salt not pepper. salt and pepper more like snoop dog okay oh god so much it worse. ain't no fun unless the homies ain't no can fun have unless some? homies can have some good lord you know, i never met a girl that i love in the whole wide world if corrupt gave a fuck about a bitch i'd always be broke i never have no motherfucking indo to smoke oh, i mean god. it's just like disgusting wow. horrible, horrible stuff and then on in new york the same thing biggie smalls was like uh you know and, and, uh, um you know and when i see the semen i'm leaving bitches be scheming i kid you not you know so it's like it's a terrible wow. a terrible when message. i see the semen i'm leaving when he comes i get it and i gone. feel horrible right and so it's a ter- these are terrible messages and these are the messages that i was given as a child yeah on the other hand i was raised with two uh, i was raised with my a single mom and my grandma they were who raised me and interestingly that household was a feminist bordering on man-hating household mm. so my mother my parent figures would tell me my, my you know the message was essentially all men are shit oh not you boys Right, really? <laughs> that's my parents, and then uh, my my role models are you know bitches ain't shit but hoes and tricks lick on the nuts and suck the dick. So with this kind of um, with this kind of with this kind of uh, you know bipolar uh, message of sexuality, you know, as I say in my book, there's a lot in my book. I said I grew up um, I grew up um, list, I, I grew up reading Gloria Steinem while imagining ejaculating on women's faces in disdain. Oh my god, not true. Um, but but kind of true. Those those seem like your two truths that you were believing. These were my du- these were my dualities or whatever. Yeah, uh, I guess you only needed one duality, right? Because no, no, no. Already. Yeah, no. I understand. At any rate, so I was this hateful kid. Uh, you know, that's how I talked about women. I called them bitches and all this. At 15? 15. I would talk about all the sex I was going to have, how quickly I was going to leave when I lost my virginity. <laughs> you know what I mean? You had a fantasy of how when quickly I, you would leave. Well, I'm just saying, like, you know, it was like, oh, I never would love a girl. It's like, you you never have. You're if a I, child. You're a, a child-ass child. If I saw a child say, when I see my semen, I'm leaving, I'd, I would laugh in his face. Of course you would. Forever. But to me, it was like, oh, dog, dead serious. That's so funny. So I went to this rave. I'm six. I'm. 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 I'm you know. I, I don't know. Nine months sober. Uh-huh. Six. Sixteen. <laughs> I go to this rave, and um, I'm uh, all this hate and all this sort of misogyny kind of dripping around in me. But it's not just misogyny because it's not real good mis- like classic misogyny. It's really just about being a, a confused, fucked up, befuddled kid with a, a thousand mixed messages and trying to sort of make sense of the world. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. So I go to this rave all of a sudden. I'm now trying to get sober. I'm trying to leave some of that stuff behind, but I still have all the residue of that hatred and that hate speech that's still sort of living in my psyche. And I go to this rave, and I swear to God, like, I've told this story before, but, like, when the first rave I went to, I had a bottle of Escape Cologne and a big bottle, and I put it in a sock in my bag just in case I had to, like, hit someone with it. Why? Because that's how I was living. That was my mental sort of existence (laughs) in the world. I was violent. I was sexist. I was a pig. Like Homie the Clown? Yeah, but much worse, right? Much worse. (laughs) Homie doesn't play play that at all. You hit the guy and then you look down at him to say, homie doesn't play that. And you realize he's dead. Yeah, he looks back up and goes, (laughs) (laughs) and you just back away slowly. (laughs) And I leave. And you could never watch In Living Color again. 
again uh, without weeping. <laughs> I fire myself out. <laughs> and you lit up on fire and said, "Fire myself." I, love, I do. I love, light myself on fire like a Buddhist monk for penance. I fire myself out, and I'm killing myself for the sins of my own past. Oh God. So anyway, by the end of that night at that rave, I was literally. L- Prancing around like a ballerina, like la, like I can't. I mean, really, like oh, I, d- d- I was in this, and I'm sober, but I'm having this like euphoric ecstasy high. Like the music and the people, like they just, it's something happened to me in that in that place that I just, I, I sort of melted as this sort of violent, awful kid and became this very slowly became this very soft guy. Really, uh, sort of loving. How did you get into it? Do you think the fact that people were on ecstasy helped you reach Absolutely. actual ecstasy, like Absolutely. watching them? Absolutely, hundred percent. It like it, almost because, like a tribal vibe or something. Well, the thing about raves at that time is that uh, they were so um, they're all about just being loving and being like kids. Yeah, it's like going back. So I got to have the, my childhood again in those warehouses. Yeah. Right, wow. and, but there's a big difference. Yeah, they're not really kids. They're all on drugs. Yeah, and, and then the other thing I realized very quickly after I started going to raves all the time is everybody here is having sex. Mm-hmm. Like it's so easy to have sex. I mean, and I didn't think of it like, oh, everybody here is having sex. I was more like, oh my god, like I can just sleep with whomever I want. Yeah, I can just be with these people, and there. And I didn't feel like fuck these bitches. I felt like right. just it's open. Everything's open. Yeah. You know, and I that's what I started to do when I was sixteen. I became very, very sexually active. I had had sex probably one time when I went to my first rave, and by the time I was you know at, you know a year into the rave scene, I'd probably slept with thirty or forty women, and I was having this like. <laughs> incredible experience of like there's such free sexuality here it was like this little teeny slice of the 60s I, you okay. know look no please don't stop oh this that existed in these warehouses in san francisco in the early 90s i i think i have so many follow-up questions and i don't know if they're the questions that other people have when i watch please. a james bond movie and they start having sex i'm like where's the condom mm-hmm. is it behind his watch like it you know what I mean? Like some, I'm literally. The, well, you the make logistics. a very interesting point because the because thing I'm is, thinking, go. James Bond movies were recorded in the era before AIDS, so where there was no condom. Oh God! And but that's I, what was happening back in the 70s and the 60s, especially the 70s. Is all this free love stuff is because there wasn't AIDS, and then all of a sudden in the 80s, AIDS came along and it ravaged the sexuality of an entire generation. Sex positive. Now, the, we can kind of hear the show beneath there's, this. If you can, if you can hear a that. live comedy show because Pete Holmes was late. Uh, no, ah, nah, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so you're banging, uh, banging, I'm so uncool, but you're having sex with these uh, broads. And uh, uh, yeah, and they were they were older than me, too, all, all, all of them. Are you wearing a bag? Uh, I'm wearing a, yeah, uh, pretty much exclusively, yeah, I'm wearing a condom. Yeah. Every once in a while not wearing a yeah, bag? Yeah, sure, every once in a while. I mean, like I'm a regular guy, you know what I mean? And right. sometimes things go down, but, you know, I mean... It's just like, you know, everybody was down to make out and... and, and, and so, okay, I, I just, I need specifics. Not that I'm going <laughs> to... See, even this I have to protect. Not sure. that I'm going to do this, but I'm not going to do this. But Well, like, you can't do this. It's just in the 90s and right. in, in San Francisco. And I could warehouse. go to that warehouse and probably get raped. You could go to that warehouse <laughs> and probably get tetanus at this yeah. point. There's not a lot going on there. <laughs> you, uh, you, okay... How would you approach a girl? You just start dancing and doing your prance dance. Oh, at the rave time? Yeah, you do. Doing- it was very different than my life now. But at the in the time of the rave thing, I was so excited about what was happening there, and I was so open as a person that I would go and I would literally just go to the party and I would 
I, I would want to meet everybody. But specifically, if I saw a girl that I liked, I would just go and I would say, that's the girl I like tonight. And I would walk up to her and I would say, hey, what's up? And the, the, the vibe in the rave scene was so like, there wasn't any weird. It, if you went up to a girl, maybe in a bar, it's the same. I don't know. I don't go to bars know, because I'm not know. a drinker. But like if you go up to, yeah, but even in a bar, you go up to a girl like, hi, I'm Pete. They're like, oh, okay. Unless right. they like you, they're like, oh, get the fuck away from me. Yeah. But the thing in the rave scene was everybody, that was part of the thing was it was meeting it was like family everybody was family even if it was fake and it was fake sure it was ecstasy induced but it was happening and right. so going up to a group of strangers being like hi i'm moshe was not a weird thing it was like what was expected <laughs> so i would go up to a girl that i liked and i would say hi i'm moshe and it would pretty much always end up with us making out or going home together and and it was really nice in a weird way for me to have this experience and of, you were six, 16 i'm 16 there when i was 16 i was talking to my friends and i was like wouldn't it be funny if there was a holiday that you were allowed to grab girls' boobs. And well, it's called the rave scene, 1994 And you were doing it. You were yeah. doing it for real while we were sitting around <laughs> hypothesizing and then worrying that if we had masturbated, we weren't virgins. To be fair, it's really easy to um, put your hand up a girl's incredibly big Jenko pants. Yeah. So that, that helped, too. And uh, the huge Dr. Seuss hat is where you keep the lube and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> God in heaven, Moshe, you're so fucking different from me. And I love it. Yeah, you can I mean, tell it. It delights me. And, we, and we had, yeah. It's very interesting to me. I literally did think that if I masturbated, I lost my virginity. I was, I, and I was concerned. I wasn't like, well, I got that out of the way. I was more like, oh, no, I'm, I'm not pure anymore. Well, I literally um, spent all $1,500 of my bar mitzvah money on phone sex. So that's the difference between that's you and funny. me. Not like my dad was like, here, use this how you want it. And I was like, Daddy, I want phone sex. More like I racked up a $1,500 phone sex bill. <laughs> and then you had and to my dad your... was like, happy fucking bar mitzvah. Uh, and took all the money that I'd gotten so and put it. So you're dirty talking at 15, 16, or 13? I was born, I will say I was born very, ho- very horny. I don't, know, <laughs> I don't know why that I is. I was born very horny. I remember when I was a kid. This is really going to turn your listeners off. I remember uh, it's when, already... I was, when I was in kindergarten. It's already what? No, it's already at the point where if they were uncomfortable with what you're about to say, they would have laughed a while ago. All right. Well, I was in kindergarten, and I said to my friend Richard, I was like, if you... <laughs> you heard the story before. I, I did. I was like, if you found a baby in the woods, what would you do? And he was like, I don't know. Call the authorities or something? Yeah. I was like, okay. Would you feel it's pussy? <laughs> you said this? Yeah. I was six years old. Holy. Six years old, I said this. I had constructed this story of finding a baby in the woods... Like so that I could find out if this guy was like like a pervert like me, but not like a child yeah, molester yeah, pervert. No, I was I was a child. You I, were six. Let me say for the record, if I found a baby in the woods, yeah, today, yeah, I would not feel its I, pussy. I was really worried for. A I second. would call. <laughs> I was very worried for a second. I would call the of authorities. Of course not. But you know what I'm saying is like I had this weird. I'm sure it's connected to why I did drugs when I was so young. I'm sure it's connected to why I was so sexually active. I had. I was born in this weird sort of place where i had a I, and i think that's a duality of what you're talking about is like while i am sort of a sex positive person and like if i meet a woman if i'm dating a woman she says i've slept with 150 guys i literally would not blink i'd be like cool i don't care right and we would date a right. lot of guys would be like disgusting yeah I can't well deal that's with actually that. something that i think is one of those things that like I, I don't know how this relates, but when I was talking to TJ yeah. Miller, and he's the biggest atheist I know, he often says these really caring, gracious, forgiving things. Right. That, like, the people that are uh, called by higher power, 
uh, of their belief to be gracious and forgiving and, and, and sort of stuff, have more judgment, including me. If somebody uh-huh. was like, I've slept with 150 guys, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know if I can get over that. Right. And here you are. I don't want to freak you out, but being arguably more Christ-like. I know you go on into this, like, fuck situation, and that's not Christ-like, I suppose, in our modern understanding. But here you are not having a problem with somebody's past. I think that, well, I think that it speaks to, the, to those sort of, the, the, the dual, uh, the duality that you were speaking of before, which is, I, I both have judgments about stuff. I have my judgments about my own sexuality. I think that I've slept with too many people. But if I meet a woman and she says, I've slept with this many people, not only do I not, like, it's not like I, it, it doesn't bother me. I, it, I don't consider it my business. I mean, I don't give a fuck. It's I don't, so. I mean, it's just. I mean, there's something so unhealthy about my own tendency to give a shit about that stuff that I really admire. I, look, my rational brain can be like, let's say I start dating somebody sure. and I find out something that I don't know, and I and I'll just be like. Who cares? I, they don't right. belong to me. My right. rational brain will say things like this. They don't belong to you. That's their past. And the person that you like right. has been affected by their past. And you like them for who they are now. And you're attracted to them for who they are now. And everything that they've done is part of the mosaic sure. of who they're made up of no now. Doubt. Right. And instead, I'll have to combat these emotional brain thoughts where I'm like, well, that, she's kind of a whore. Or something right. like, believe no, me. Right. I don't, I don't, you don't mean it. But I don't you... mean that, but there's this puritanical belief that I'm like, I don't know if I can have... And, sure. I, and I'm like a girl. I start dating somebody, and I'm already imagining our wedding, and I'm already imagining kids and stuff. And I'm like, I can't have yeah. her playing with uh, little Phineas, my son. I'm just kidding. It's a, but, and be like, she sucked 300 cocks. But it's interesting because it's like, what is hap- what, what's happening? What do you think is happening? It's truly... And that's what's interesting about it. I have all this misogyny in my past, but that's... And I'm not saying... You you are, but that idea of that that it's sully, it somehow is sullying this person. I'm going to go ahead is, and say that maybe I am. It is misogyny. Yeah, that idea problem. is it incredibly as if the residue of these other men still, or as if a woman shouldn't be having these men. I mean, it's like, and you know, it's like you want a good blowjob. Right. Well, she's got to give a lot of blowjobs in order to give you a good blowjob. She can't just manifest a good right. blowjob. Right, right, right. Your, your, your Phineas loving, you know, sundress wearing, you know, <laughs> well, key lime is... pie baking wife is going to suck Ugh. your penis like in the most horrible, like this yeah, way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or she's yeah. going to actually take off her sundress and there's going to be like a weird tattoo yeah. of like, you know, a swastika or something between her tits. And then she'll, suck, right. she'll just. <laughs> a- aim for the hate, she says. Aim for the hate. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> but I mean, you know. But but, but that's the thing. I mean, like, it's a cliche, uh, angel in the streets, whore in the sheets, and that sort of stuff. But I, I think... Uh, lady in the streets, a freak in the sheets. It, what did I say? Whatever. I, you, you get it, what I'm Mine's saying. more street than yours. I oh, I like, like that. Yeah. Well, you're more street than I am. That's, couldn't that's be probably, truer. That's, that's what we were saying <laughs> in uh, Lexington, Mass. Uh, but yeah, that, that, I find that conflict of the man... The movie Two Lovers. Have you seen Two I Lovers? Uh, I, I know the song. Oh, yeah. Should I sing it? We don't have the rights. Go ahead. No, he's singing it. Got two lovers and I love them just the same. Two, wait, two lovers. And, uh, I'm a whore. Something like that. I don't know that song. Two lovers. It, it's it's a it's a movie with Joaquin Phoenix and Joaquin. It, and uh, you know, I don't even necessarily love the movie, right. uh, but I like the message of the movie. Is that like he's simultaneously in love with this one woman i forget who plays the actress and she's exactly what he should be he's jewish she's jewish perfect family all that sort of stuff and then he's also uh infatuated with gwyneth paltrow and ecstasy doing rave person Uh who's uh dtf sex positive and very sexy right and like dangerous i can't i'm losing my fucking mind you understand being pulled in those two directions right it's maddening and i can't even imagine what it's like to be a woman and to get those conflicts 
conflicting signals where I'm kind of like, be both of these things. Could you be on right. fire and be water at the same time? Do what I do. And, be, and switch between the two. And be the thing that I imagine you ought to be, not the thing that you uh, want to be. And then appear to be the thing that I think you ought to appear <laughs> to be in front of the people that you should appear to be. Right. Not and my then, friends. Be kind of sexy in front of my friends. Right. But if you meet this person, my family, my Uncle Larry, please be reasonable in front of my Uncle Larry. It's maddening. Be excellent to each other. And party on, dude. That was is that Bill and Ted? Ted's, yeah. Is Party on Dude also Bill? Yes, it is yeah. both Bill and Ted's. We should be excellent to each other. We should be excellent to each other. And I think that's true. I think that um I think that the more that I can approach sex and sexuality with limited judgment towards myself and other people, probably the better it's going to be, you know. But at the same time, I don't consider myself maybe some ethical slut. And this is what I mean when I say there, you know, I don't want to date the, the ethical slut. Not I don't want to date a person that has that has an, a relationship with sex that is like the ethical slut book. But the the self identified ethical slut person, sex positive person, persons that I've interacted with in my life, they also approach sexuality as if it. Their naivete is that they approach sexuality as if it doesn't have a moral duality in the other direction. Yeah. Like it doesn't make any sense that someone should be ashamed of their uh, of what they've yeah. done sexually. There's no logical reason well, that a person should have this sort of pull. There's no pull. You're parochial and ridiculous. And yeah. also that I think is oversimplified. And you're just it. you're just a mammal, and you just want to you just want to plow things. Well, yeah. Well, that, that that's something that's interesting. I don't think you can argue with the following statement: is that sex, when it's more sacred. Mm-hmm. When it's more special, when uh, when you don't just uh, microwave your dinner, you allow the sauce to simmer on the stove. And I'm stealing an analogy from my therapist. You allow it to simmer on the stove, and you smell it, and you have to anticipate dinner. For your, many hours. your therapist described smelling the dinner, the, the sex dinner, the sex dinner, like pussy juice. <laughs> Smelling it and shit. Yeah, it's linguine with shit. Sound nasty, dog. <laughs> you are a rascal, and I'm going to chase you with a wet towel. You son of a bitch. No, he's talking about anticipating the meal and not fucking somebody right away. Sure, not just shoveling it down your face. <laughs> and what's weird is, is that be that be eating pussy. That, <laughs> you I'm, are I'm so just trying to clarify. I'm what trying to make a say. valid Please, point, and ahead. you're being filthy. Go ahead. Uh, no, no, no. It's totally fine. I am talking about um, if you don't have a lot of sex, and let's say you've never had sex. Sure. Uh, and this is what I did when I got married. The first person I uh, had sex with, I married. Yeah. And then sex, at that point, is this kind of... It's very naive. It's yeah. very unexplored. Right. But it is, as unto, a super glue. There's an element to it where you're like, this is the only person yeah, totally. I've had sex with. And they did that. They kind of explored this theme on Louis with mm-hmm. the girl that was against masturbation. Anyway, which is a good episode. You should watch it. But he's talking about like, you, I don't think you can really argue with the fact that whether or not it's fueled by naivete or uh, a lack of passionate living or like something that I would consider is worth doing, sleeping right. with more than one person. The people that I know and I do know growing up in my circle that yeah. have only uh, fucked their spouse. Yeah. Kind of look at it like a magical thing. Totally. That they're like, I've gone to Narnia with one person. Right. And that's my Narnia person. And the more people, even right. as few as it is for me, I have sex with, I start having this kind of sad, mature outlook towards I, it. Yeah. Where it's not magical anymore. And I'm like, yeah. well, it's just uh, two bodies and I place my penis in the I, vagina and it feels yeah. pleasurable. And uh, we're two responsible adults and she enjoys it and I enjoy it. Doesn't mean we have to get married and all that sort of stuff. It loses. Does it need the Wilford Brimley voice? or you're, You know, I didn't call it out when your uh, child voice sounded like Harry Carey. <laughs> I, if you found a baby in the woods, <laughs> would you touch its, would you touch its little pussy? Its little pants. 
I let I let that go, and you jumped. <laughs> if you have diabetes, <laughs> and if you would like some pussy, <laughs> call me Eric Carey or my friend here. If you uh, found a baby in the woods and had diabetes, <laughs> would you before you feel before you feel it, pussy, give it some insulin. <laughs> would you check its blood sugar before you touched its pussy? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I agree with you though completely, Pete. I think that like you know you went to Narnia with one person, and I'm like yeah. I remember when I I remember when I ate the Turkish delight with the Queen. It yeah. felt good then. Then I fucked the Queen. Then I fucked the dwarf. Then, then you I fu- fucked Tumnus. Yeah. Then I fucked. Then I fucked Reaper Cheap. I fucking Reaper Cheap, you and I got fucked. I got fucking Reaper Cheap on one ball, and I got fucking Prince Caspian on the other one. It's the real Voyage of the Dawn Treader here. Oh, Holy you didn't shit! Know I was you, a yeah. super duper Narnia nerd. You read a lot of Narnia. I read Narnia a countless amount of times. Every single book. Well, you ever. know Aslan's Jesus. Anyway, and you know that in the book uh, the the last battle interestingly enough let's talk about jesus in the book the last battle uh there's a real sort of reckoning uh, uh there's a, there's a there's the end of days your rapture that you yep. would jerk off in front don't of don't jerk off and and they there's these two doors and one door goes to you know the evil god tash which unfortunately represents allah basically <laughs> oh. but let's say that it doesn't let's say it represents you know the bad part okay and there's the other door that is aslan and the people there's this moment where they say who's gonna who is gonna walk uh, who's gonna be the first one to you know, uh, walk into th- find out you know which direction he goes into, and this this sort of uh, worshiper of Tash goes says I'll do it, and he's this very noble character, and he walks into the door where the, the evil god is, and finds himself woken up in Aslan's world, and Aslan's there, and he's saying to himself, Why am I here with you? I've worshipped Tash my entire life, and Aslan says everything you've ever done has been uh, that was good was done for me, and everything you've anything uh, that a person did that was evil in my name was done it was done for evil and in this in that way it's a very I, I know that it sounds very sort of religious but in a weird way even though it's a little bit um, you know sort of snotty and elitist to say everything is done in the name of Jesus or whatever it's the, it's this very open message which is do good as much as right. you can and you will be rewarded well that's interesting for good does that's, that make sense is that even connected to what we're talking about no but I no I, I, I don't know if I'm it saying? is I, I'm listening to you in the moment and that, that's the old I actually love that belief that it's all paths up the same mountain. Yeah, right. And this idea that you know, it's a very Christian idea that you know, only people that do that that do good in a specific way for a specific reason yeah. will inherit the kingdom of heaven, whatever that means, uh, is rejected by C.S. Lewis, which is why a lot of evangelical Christians yeah. reject C.S. Lewis because he's essentially saying, if you do good, oh, I didn't y- know that. you will be rewarded no matter who you're doing, whose name you're doing it in. Do I believe in heaven? Probably not. But I think that's a really open uh, a message of just I, try I to do good. That. I didn't know that about him. That's, that's really, really quite interesting. When I studied in Israel, uh, I remember that um, one of my professors very uh, controversially, and he wouldn't say it in class, he just mm-hmm. said it to me privately, believed that Jewish people would go to heaven, uh-huh. which, which that right is now, con- very controversial. No, here I am at 32, and uh, that sounds ridiculous. Sure. But we're in Israel, so we're surrounded by Orthodox Jews, and we're simultaneously studying the Bible that says uh, right. you need Christ to go to heaven. Yeah. And then I would, so it was kind of on the tip of everybody's tongue to be like, what about all these black coats? Right. What, that's what we right. called them. That's not what we called them. You could have called him that. And he was like, well, Jesus always just said, follow the law, love the Lord your God, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's right. the boiling down of the law. And so he, he it was controversial, the right. idea. And believe me, universalists, people often think Unitarian, but any any sect that could be universalist, universalists just believe that everybody goes to heaven. Right. That, 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 kind of what you're saying. Jesus said that... Uh, 
whatever you do for the least of my brothers, you do for me. And, and that's right. kind of like, regardless of what you believe, yeah. that's probably where C.S. Lewis got that idea. But somewhere along the line, we became very clicky in sure. our religion, and it became very, uh, I don't know, convenient to be like, fuck them and save us, sure. and fuck them and save us. And that's actually what led to the beginning of the, the loss yeah. of my faith, for me to be like, Hey, how come nobody's talking about hell? We're, we're, people well, that's the fatal flaw in the in the Christian um, uh, elite, e- e- the Christian exceptionalist message is, uh, you know, so a God made a world infused with justice and then created people who were born into other faiths. It wasn't their fault that they were born into other faiths; right. they just were. Yeah, and then they have those people have to have so much faith that they reject their own faith and everything they've ever been taught yeah. as false to come over. Whereas the kid that was born into a Christian family, that guy somehow merited the the, yeah. the life where he didn't have that crisis of faith, it's and he could just waltz into the kingdom of heaven. But, Easy. But anyway, but I do want to speak to what you were saying. Can about, I say one thing about yes, what you please. just said? Is real quick. Yes. I, one of the most troubling thoughts I had at that time when I was thinking about hell and exactly what you just said is like I'm born in a Tibetan monastery and I, I devote my life to Buddha or whatever right. it is and then I go to hell and that's a, a weird concept and then I was like what a weird game why not start life this was a question I was asking God why not start life in the afterlife why have a life right. incarnate us in heaven right. we'll be praising you all the time we'll be hanging out we won't be fucking up all the time we won't be killing each other right. why have this life just so that some people souls that you created would go to hell yeah. It seems like one person being tortured eternally, if you believe in an eternal torment hell, which a lot of people do, yeah. isn't worth it. it. The game isn't worth it <laughs> no to have doubt. one conscious being be a tortured I mean, I guess forever. the answer to that would be very simple, is that life, the, the, the cause of the reason for creation was so that people could have this dilemma and decide whether to go more to... I mean, does that make sense? None of this makes to the listeners. I'm not. Cl- I don't think either of us are claiming this makes sense. No. But this is sort of what this is what was told to me. You know about the harrowing of hell, the harrowing of hell. Yeah, no, which is where Jesus when he died. I mean, the, the early uh, Christian theologians were uh, given a. They had a real difficulty uh, sort of synthesizing the fact that if you had to believe in Jesus to go to heaven, nobody gets to the kingdom but through me. Then what about Adam, Eve, Noah, Moses, Abraham, Jacob, everybody that was born before Jesus? Right. These great b- biblical patriarch and matriarchs. What the hell happened to them? Isn't well, they were in hell waiting this whole time. And when Jesus died, he went down to heaven to go harrow hell to go grab people. Oh, like, really? It's like the ultimate velvet rope at the Studio Fifty Four. Like Jesus is the d- bouncer, mm-hmm. and he's like Moses, Moses, front of the line, and he pulls really? Moses in. Adam, you're in. Uh, Eve, not you. You're a woman. That's and, weird because know. on the mountain of transfiguration or uh, whatever, Moses and Elijah both appear. Are we still talking about Narnia? <laughs> uh, you are a funny man. That is a funny joke. No, I just don't even know what we're talking about. Anymore. It's, a, no, it's, you, it's a Bible story in the New Testament. Yeah. It's the transfiguration. It's not yeah. the mountain of transfiguration. It's the transfiguration in Jesus uh, woke up and Peter woke up and they were sleeping and, and they saw Moses and Elijah, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. which is weird. So if what you're saying is true, then they were their souls were in hell. They show up like Star Wars style. I mean, look, these are all uh, 15 people are writing, um, you know, a different story for a different biblical sort of dilemma that they have. But really what it comes down to the whole I think you'll agree with this. 
Uh, I have a degree in religion. Do you know that? I didn't About know that. Me? Yeah. I like so, to think I'm keeping pace with you, though. Oh, you are. And you're I, more than <laughs> you're laughing. You're laughing. I, I just, I which just, is weird because I don't. I've just been surrounded by it. No, no. Well, I also was surrounded by it. I love that, I, and I'm not an anti-religious person. I, I, I don't necessarily believe in an afterlife. I don't, and I certainly wouldn't call myself an atheist either. So it's another duality of, yep. of sort of who That's I am. That's the other big one. Yeah, uh, but I think that when it really comes down to it, is that religion really? It, when you, if you get rid of the parts that you hate you know what religion really is about is people grappling with the moral nature of the universe how do you be good in the world how do you be kind to people how do you interact with your own sexuality is a big right. part of it too how do i be a, a, a moral creature that can have a sec you know can can i have a sexual drive that comes from my dick yeah. you know but i also have a moral drive that comes from my head and my heart yeah. how do i reconcile those two things right yeah. and i think that you're right like uh, to 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 speak to your uh, earlier point about you know fucking over fucking yeah i think that i think maybe that i fucked so much it's like how how whatever woman i find that i'm going to settle down with if i ever find that woman it's not going to be because of sex it's yeah because because uh i've had too much sex to be like oh i think you're right i yeah. think that it's better in a weird better in heavy quotation marks to think for people to get married when they're young because then le- they'll never know what they're missing i know <laughs> what i'm missing to such a degree that it's like well i, I don't want to again I, I was just gonna say i don't want to overshare but it is disturbing the little conglomerate of information you start putting together sexually speaking through all your relationships and you're like this person did this and I love that and this person did this and I did and you you seem like the kind of person that would be open and be like I really like this or whatever but like I'm more like secret and repressed I'm just kind of like putting these people's together putting these ideas together and being like when I didn't have anything to compare it to when I was married for six years, I was just right. like, sex is just a thing that you do. Right, you wouldn't... Oh, but that that's such an interesting point is I remember when I first got in... So my first realization was oh my god, you can fuck all these people. Yeah. And then I remember I was having sex with this girl, Jennifer... <laughs> That's not gonna. I mean, come it on. Won't it's get just back Jennifer. To yeah. And I remember we was fucking, and I've t- I think everybody has this experience of fucking. Well, not everybody, but if you if you, if you have some fun, I, I started like really fucking her all of a sudden. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, and then I started to fuck her, and I thought, oh, you can fuck a person. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, I can like I don't have to just like slowly and timidly move my body in <laughs> and out of her. I can like I can fuck her hard, or I can. I can turn her around or I can buck my hips like this or I can, you know, you have yeah. this experience of like, oh, sex is this thing that you can sort of play with. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, I didn't know what you meant until I had had sex with more than one. That, the sex that I was having as a married person, Every I, look time? Back, I look back on and I'm just kind of like, what, what was that? The timid like, slide? The timid slide. It was more <laughs> just kind of like the, uh, I'm kind of embarrassed we're even doing this sort of Every stuff. Every time. Yeah, you the, never had good sex with your wife. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know what good sex was. Crazy. So I certainly was like, that was great. Right. I thought it was great because sex is great. Yeah, sex was great. And sex was pure. But like, sex is kind of fucking filthy, and it should be. <laughs> Absolutely. I have this. I had no appreciation for the dirty side of it. No or doubt. The celebration of the dirty side of it. Well, I always say that the reason that dumb people are so good at sex is because they don't. They don't. They're not smart enough to be thinking, "What am I doing yeah. right now?" Because if you're smart, you have to realize you have to turn your smart off. Yeah. Yep. Because what you're doing during sex is ridiculous. Yep. What, I, are you, what are you doing? I like, was working on a bit about how sex is stupid, and basically, I just I didn't have anything written down. I was just right. I just wrote "sex is stupid" on a piece of paper, and I would go up and talk about it. Well, it and is. then T, I mean, TJ was like Norm Macdonald, and then I saw Louis do a uh-huh. set. 
all these comedians have this bit about like, what are we doing? Right. It's I get my ridiculous. penis hard and I put it inside of you and I there's moaning and sweating and moving. Right. And you're supp- and you're taking yourself very seriously while saying really stupid things. Like, yes. Oh yeah. Like r- really? Yeah. I say oh yeah, yeah to a human. Yeah. There's a human laying here. Yeah. And it's like, you like that? Like, yeah, what? I was just gonna say, what am I? You am, like, I a, am I a thing? You like that? You like that? Yeah, I'm saying you like it's that. So embarrassing. Well, I liken horniness to hunger. When yeah. you're hungry, when you're starving, <laughs> you want to drink gravy. You right. want to eat a, right. a rotisserie chicken. You right. want to just fucking chug <laughs> caramel. Right. Totally. And then as soon as you're full, you're like, "What was that? Uh-huh. That was disgusting." Totally. And it's very similar to sex. As soon as you satiate it, you're kind right. of like, "I don't really think I'll ever do that again." <laughs> And then once the need grows up again, you're like, yeah. I want to come on a cat. <laughs> that's what I want to do. I just want to. That's, that's funny. so dirty. No, no, but I, I like no, it. I, it. It makes a, it makes a certain kind of sense. It's like, yeah, you're you you have this. I'm the noise downstairs is distracting, distracting me. Yeah, no, no, you're doing great. But well, this is. Oh, I remember what I was going to yeah. say. Uh, yeah, I had this experience. I once went to this sex party. I've been to a sex party. This party in San Francisco. See that right there? If you were a girl, I, w- I would be immediately like, I don't think I can turn hang it out off. With you. If I hear that from a girl, I'm thinking, fuck yeah, she's been to a sex party. I'm yeah. In. Gosh, so, you look really good with that glasses. I mean, you look you. great with your I glasses. I just took them off. Some people can see it. Some people take off their glasses and they're like, oh, you have glasses face. You need glasses to complete your face. <laughs> no, I got, I got, I got beautiful face. You do have, be- you have beautiful you, face. How do you think I'm swimming in all this pussy? Man, when you start having sex and you reward them by taking your glasses no off. No doubt. Speaking of the can Bible, I ask you something. Yes. BJ's anything with visual this is something I'm stealing from uh, Rob O'Reilly a friend of mine a funny comedian he said that that's the only time that it's weird to have glasses because like you can't be receiving oral pleasure and like put your glasses on I do I do you are the I do it because I know it looks ridiculous, but I want to see what's happening. I want to. I don't yeah. want to just look at some fuzzy br- br- yeah. brunette shape. Yeah. I want to see it. You so. fucking magical man. <laughs> just owning your desire not being ashamed of it is so refreshing. Look, I've had sexual shame. Like, ugh, I can't believe I fucked another person. I have never thought, ugh, I can't believe I did that last night. Mm. I can't believe I told her to do this last night. Mm. You know what I mean? I've never <laughs> had that feeling. But, um, you but I was going to say... So I, oh, you yeah. crazy. You so, crazy. So I went to the sex party a few, a minute, I don't know, five years ago or something. And I remember I, I was with this girl that I met that night. And we're like, we're basically, we're having sex in this room where there's people around us. Wearing a bag? Sex. What's that? Wearing a bag? Well, she was going down on me. I have my glasses on. <laughs> <laughs> No, but if you didn't know, he winked at me when he so, made that noise. So she's going down on me, and we're making out, and it's sexual. And then there's a guy, there's literally a couple like a foot away from me fucking. And I just, and then another couple like on the other side of me, fuck, you know, fucking. And I just thought to myself, Ugh, am I serious? Yeah. What am I in my parents' sex swinging fantasy right that now? Sounds... Like, just ridiculous. Like, stupid. I, I wouldn't be able to shut off my brain to an extent to enjoy that. I would be I enjoyed like, it, but I did think this is dumb. Yeah. You would be like, what? Well, we've talked about this. I have a very hard time shutting off my inner monologue. I can yeah. a lot of comedians do. I'll be making out with a girl, and like I'll be like... You'd be like, uh, Amanda Knox is in the news today. <laughs> what is more like Amanda Knox guilty? Oh, boy. <laughs> That's your inner monologue? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> oh, I, I just got it. I didn't get what you meant. I'll be, thinking, I'll be thinking something like this. Let's say we're in my car, and we're making out, and I'm like, when do I take my seatbelt off? Uh-huh. I should probably take my seatbelt right. off. Is she going to... Oh, she's taking her seatbelt off. Right, right, That's right. interesting. Why is she taking her seatbelt off? Mm-hmm. What is she going to do? Should I take my seatbelt off? I'm going to take my seatbelt off. I, I think I'm going to move my head this way, and she's moving... I right. think she kind of likes that. Ah, oh, she's weird. She's kind of biting my lip. What am I going to do? It does that? sound se- sexy and pleasant. It's not. Thinking. 
not pleasant. Do you know and then I'll start my... doing this. I'll start going, Pete, live your fucking life. Right. You can't be analyzing Now you've got a everything. secondary monologue. Yep. Yeah, Another wow. monologue. You know what, though? I, I'm happy to report it's getting better. It's getting quieter. It's getting quieter. And it's not just sexually. In general, th- I feel like that's just a, a byproduct of anxiety. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, just fucking relax and live your life. Yeah. I mean, I, I know a guy that says, uh, you know, sort of a spiritual leader of mine that says, um, pff, what a retardedly Deepak? gay thing I just said. but uh, Or a retardedly... Yeah, not gay. Anyway, he says uh, about stuff like that. He says that's a movie that's playing in your head, and you can choose to watch it or you can choose to not. He says, "Feel free to ignore all such information." Really? You want to know what my internal monologue sounds what? like when I'm with a girl? You're like a cartoon wolf. You're a cartoon wolf, you monster. Winter is coming. Moshe is coming. You are truly a delight. That is that I wi- I mean that just like even the word carnal I don't like. Just that right. just that admission that you're just kind of like I want to put my dick in tapioca. Right. What about caramel? Do you like that I word? I like caramel. That's I said delicious. earlier when I said chug caramel, caramel, yeah. but I said caramel. Caramel. You said caramel. Right. It's like the difference between data and data. Yeah, very you Remember when Dr. Pulaski would call data data? And he was like, but that is not my name. Who's Dr. Pulaski? Ah, nerdist, indeed. Guys. Oh, on Next Generation? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I got it. One season, Dr. Beverly Crusher got fired because she wasn't like a terribly great... I, I don't want to say that, but I think the other... It doesn't matter. I used to like Dr. Crusher. So so did I. Yeah. And I've, I've been re-watching all, the whole series, and I realized that Dr. Pulaski, whoever she was, was like... I'm, and no offense to her... But she's like a much better actor, the Dr. Pulaski. Yeah. They clearly fired her because they were like, "We're going to get like a sort a of hot a really girl. great." Uh, no, she's not hot at all, Pulaski. She's older oh, Crusher was hot. Crusher was hot. They replaced her with this older great actress, and then clearly the fans were just like, "Bring back the other lady," and they just fired this great actor. They did and brought back Beverly Crusher in, in season three. I used to. Uh, I don't need to say that, but I used to watch Star Trek and really try to enjoy the time she was on screen oh that's nice you're jerked off to beverly <laughs> you, you are you a monster. Jerk after all let me no, hide my my <laughs> fucking sin from you well, you know what there's no sin and that was what would be great and i think this is like if we did live on the enterprise then there wouldn't be sexual shame because we could all live out all of our sexual fantasies in the, the holodeck. holodeck and it wouldn't be real that's people. all i used to think was uh picard would go in there and go ah computer load <laughs> Puerto Rican milfs <laughs> urinating upon each other and uh, engage. Uh, com- <laughs> and, and com- like, computer. Wait, go ahead. You come in yeah. and the program, you can't see it. So you just see him like humping the air like, yes. Oh, Leslie. Oh, urinate on my face. Patrick, Jean-Luc Picard, I'm going to engage on your face. Computer. Wait, I can't do a Jean-Luc Picard impression. So, wait, wait. Do it again. Computer. Computer. Load. Program. Infant in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> Please manifest Harry Carey and what's his name? Computer. And Wilford Brimley. If you found. And her clothes fall off instantly. <laughs> and she's covered in Quaker oats. <laughs> it's the right thing to do One of and the tasty way to do it. <laughs> One of them's bending over. <laughs> I'm just quoting extras now. God, I love that scene. 
Uh, well, man, this was great. I, I feel like you have to come back because we only covered one weird thing about you. I got plenty. You're supposed to do three weird things. I hope the people on Nerdist.com are nice to me. They were so they were so rude to me last oh, time. Oh, really? I didn't know there was a website uh, where well, they anyway, post things. I love you guys, even if you don't love me. That's why I was dropping all those Star Trek uh, references. Like, uh, me. like me. Pander, engage. And those of you that were not liked when you were in junior high, like uh, me now. <laughs> You're a magical man. And you're great. We have to figure out the right blend of Shiraz and Mad Dog 2020. No doubt. Now I'm Shiraz. Shiraz 2020. No, but seriously, you got to come back, and we got to talk about some of the more weird things, and, and maybe talk about. I, I don't. I don't think you could find a podcast that's so seamlessly merged between like a hardcore, filthy sex discussion, effortlessly. Into an intelligent uh, religious Absolutely. discussion. Religious and ethic ethics. We and then discussed ethics. Ended, dare I say, back at baby touching and jumping And Picard. coming on a cat. And coming on a cat. Engage. Will you say keep it crispy? <laughs> keep it crispy, everybody. Keep it crispy. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Moshe. Hey, find me at at Moshe Cash, everybody. Oh, Come yeah, please. Twitter. Very funny. We'll tweet Twitter. that. We'll tweet that. All right. I love you. Bye. Now leaving Nerdist.com.